If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 316 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Rocky Junior of Irish MMA Media, Graham McDonald. As we talk about a very busy week in the world of mixed martial arts, there's going to be a lot of judging talk today, I would think, of this podcast, because there was a few uh, dodgy rounds and a few dodgy, well, one maybe dodgy decision uh, over the last week. We'll also look ahead a bit to Cage Warriors. I have um, a big Cage preview coming out uh, either Monday or Tuesday this week as well so we will leave it mostly for that but we'll be looking ahead to that we're looking ahead to Volkov versus Ganya and all of that great stuff but before we do that we must give a shout out to our sponsors Manscaped and fellas how's your beach bod treating you Manscaped is here to ensure that your post quarantine body is ready for the wild don't be the guy at the beach with the bare rug on your chest and if you grew some quarantine mantids, the least you could do is make sure they're hairless. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with its exclusive offer for you that's 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com and I know myself and Graham, we're here and we're like two bears going around the rest after, uh, after quarantine. We're waiting to get a few days away and stuff so we need our Manscaped as well. The Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your body Body grooming game. They have uh, forever changed the grooming game with their perfect package 3.0, and that kit comes with the essential lawnmower 3.0, the waterproof cordless ball trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formations to round out your grooming routine. This is the best trimmer in the market for those of you uh, in need of a chest shave. Their third generation trimmer f- uh, features a cutting edge ceramic, literally cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming. And, well, it cuts the hair and not anything else. Uh, an advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. You can also adjust the settings to get a lint you like, and you can stay on top of it with almost no effort at all you can even trim an arrow pointing to the promised land if you're bold enough uh and if you're probably an mma fighter getting ready for a fight Oh, uh, uh, had an arrow, yeah. arrow the opposite way, but you can you, <laughs> <laughs> you can tell, you can tell. Uh, it's um, inside the perfect package tree, but now you'll also find the ball preserver, ball deodorant, and anti-chafing uh, ball deodorant and moisturizer because we know how painful chafing can be when you're wearing your bathing suit all day. You'll also find the Crop Reviver Ball Toner, a testy toner that's designed to give you a pep in your step. Subscribe to the perfect package and get a new blade refill for your lawnmower 3.0 trimmer delivered to your door every three months. For a limited time, subscribers get two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, $39 in value, they say here, which is really good. And the patented high-performance reduced chafing uh, Manscaped Boxers, which everyone loves. Anyone I've spoken to over in the Severe Mare Group, they love those boxers. They're brilliant. So get 20% off and free shipping. Me to code severe at manscaped.com. 
Do yourself a favor and use the right tools for the job. That's twenty percent off and free shipping code Manscaped or scope the code Severe May even at Manscaped.com. That's twenty percent off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. Use the code Severe May. Trim your chesticles with their besticles. That's I, I I think they need to reword that one. I I feel like they they could have made that one a little bit better. That was a bit of one I'd come up with in like ten minutes. Just like you know. It's that that's not the best catchphrase I've ever heard, Manscaped. <laughs> well, it's, it's getting work. a bit more it's getting a bit more talk now than it would have if it was phrased a little better, so uh, maybe. Good point. It's a, that's a good point. It's like the, the Jake Paul of fucking phrases or something. <laughs> Welcome to the new world, Sean. Welcome Try to keep up. <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. Um all right, I I mentioned there at the top that there's gonna be a lot of talk about uh about judging and, and stuff like that in this podcast because there was a few weird. And you're rounds. here as a judging uh, union representative as always. <laughs> well, I actually don't think I will be this week. Nothing to I... see here. Nothing to see <laughs> here, folks. No, there was a there was a bit of there was a bit of a bit of weirdness. What did you? I suppose we'll we'll just get into the Rory McDonald fight so straight away and then we we'll, we'll go to the OC. What did you think of the Rory McDonald Gless and Tebow fight? Were, were you uh, um, are you Ron Robbery? Well, yeah, well, I think Rory won the fight and I think he probably won 30-27. But, you know, there were very close rounds in there. Um, I think maybe, you know, uh, another way PFL have these like rolling stats on the screen. Yeah. I think they're, they're they should go. They're going to influence. Uh, they're just off-putting as well. And they're, they're going to influence people in, in the wrong way because as you talked, as you talk uh, at length, uh, mm-hmm. ad nauseum some would say you know um, it's definitely a tough job and you know um, there were some close rounds there but I think you know maybe a, um, you know, a mixture of the stats being there and being so lopsided in uh, Rory's favour even though you know it's all about impact as you always say uh, and as the rules say, um, <laughs> not just you. Um, so I think uh, maybe that played a part in people calling it a robbery, but I do think it was the wrong decision and that Rory probably won all three rounds. Yeah, it, look, it was one of those where watching it live, I was like, oh, this is this is a Rory McDonald fight. I was like, Rory's just, he's a bit too long. He's kind of picking him apart a little bit. Um and you know he's throwing those teeps to the body throwing some nice jabs and stuff but when i went back and watched it i was a lot closer on rewatch but it was one of those ones i went back and i watched it and i did score a 30 27 but i could i could understand why someone gave it to tiba more than watching it the first time you know the, i it's funny because we you know we talked about judging before right and remember that time where Joe Rogan like accused the judge of looking at his phone in the middle of the fight, yeah. and e- everyone was like, "Oh no!" But what was the reason that everyone got mad about that? It's because they're like distracted, and as you said, there there's so much distraction on the PFL screen. Us just watching it, yeah. I think it makes it tougher for us to decide like who's winning a fight. And you hit you hit on a great point there, and I I really think that's true. Still, and all though, like that first round. I, like, I think Rory, he landed some lovely body kicks. T, uh, T-Bow landed five or six nice shots right after uh, Rory had the takedown attempt after the eye poke. But I think a lot of them kind of missed, and I think that's probably what won, won him the round. Um, I think there was a couple of stiff shots in there, but it wasn't yeah. enough to turn the round around. Turn the round around. Yeah, because Rory landed a couple of stiff shots as well, and he 
got that choke near the end as well that forced Thibaut to defend. I think that was some effective grappling. Like, I think it was relatively even on the feet. And when you have that, and I think Rory was even a little bit ahead, to be honest. And when you have that effective grappling as well towards the end, I think that's the sort of thing that's enough to sway it. To be honest, like, I, I think, I, I, like, that was around round that kind of came down to the second round. Um... Rory kind of won that and it was uh, it was has to be a Rory round that one I think all the judges did give it to him and then the third round it was that third round is one of those rounds where like nothing happened for the whole round I went back and I watched it literally with a fine tooth comb paused it throughout it and everything and I was like I, I remember saying that after three minutes Rory landed a knee up through the middle I was like that's really all that's landed of note in this round and then I got to the five minute mark and I was like that's all still that's all landed through uh, of note and if like you're behind that and if you're a bad angle for that as a judge and you don't see it, or even if you see it and it's like, well, it's not as impactful as I think, and Tebow landed some a, a couple of things, there really isn't much to decipher in that. So two yeah, or three. Well, like uh, maybe you could say it was three. You could say maybe the judges could have scored the draw or for Rory, but not really for Glace. Uh, yeah, I, 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 there was so look. The, the judges have to decide. Like they're not going to score the draw. They're going to pick someone who they think is winning, even if they have to go to the secondary and tertiary. Uh, scoring systems, which I'm, I'm sure they didn't. I'm sure they decided on impact, and maybe they decided the, the couple of shots that T-ball landed were more impactful than than what Rory landed. But I, I think look anyone who watches that and you know I, I did a little video about close rounds over on our youtube and i put up on twitter as well you, I, I don't think you can crib or cry about that if you're Rory mcdonald or glass and tebow and you win or lose that round you didn't you just didn't do enough like there just wasn't enough to decipher who won that round absolutely not i think the first round is the one it's like rory did enough like he landed enough shots he did enough with that choke he made glass and tebow defend he was attacking he was looking for the finish and that is what we wanted him and that's what the judges want and it was it was without a shadow of a doubt a bad decision i, w- I wouldn't call it daylight robbery i wouldn't say like it's funny i was like I, I was gonna say i wouldn't say a worst decision of the year but there aren't that many bad decisions so it might be up there as worst decision of the year like we don't often see to me a clearly wrong decision now for me to say a clearly wrong decision, that must mean it's fairly bad because we we know uh, as anyone listens to this, I'm I'm on the side of the judges to be honest because I've I've kind of paid attention to what's happening with the judges. But um, yeah, it was it, it it wasn't good. It wasn't good to be honest. The, but the, like the, the the thing is about it, what can you do? Like what what really can you do, and what what needs it like the thing about it is we're like what needs to change what needs to be done after a decision like this and it always happens i remember we just talked who, about it before sorry, who were the judges do you know uh, let me pull it up here so uh cardo orso gave it 29 28 t he gave one and three to t um dave torelli gave one and three to t as well and eric cologne uh gave it 29 28 to Rory McDonald, he gave one and two to Rory and three, so that's a good card. Like Eric Cologne, a, a very good card there by Eric Cologne, in, in my opinion, anyway. Um, like, so that's that's the issue. Like, it's it, it's one of those where, as well, I, I believe that PFL don't have TV screens 
for the judges which oh, would, really? yeah, yeah with, with all the, with all the technology that the PFL have to not invest in tree screens is is a bit of an issue as well and I would definitely uh, take that into account when when talking about this as well but even with that said I don't I don't think it was a good decision um but look, what okay we talked enough about the decision I think it was it was a bad one the, the one thing as well about PFL and funny this because those are three very well known judges but over the last while they actually haven't had all the best judges in the world they've had a couple who whose names have stuck out and they're like mm, and then there's a bit of a couple of weird rounds come out i like i think the overall discussion we'll get into it again in a, in a second maybe, but an overall discussion is you need to have the best judges at the very top of the game in all these big one in all these big fights and that's tougher to do these days especially when you've quarantine like pfl are doing and when there's a ufc and bellator on all the time it's tough to get all these judges uh in in place to, to judge these fights but that's i think that's what we're going to need to do like if these organizations are to be taken completely seriously and if they want all the best results and all the best uh you know all, all the best outcomes at the end of it you have to get all the best judges and look sometimes it doesn't still even work because i think there those are three good judges as well but yeah it was, uh, i know this is terrible for like people who end up on a bad decision but you think it actually it definitely it doesn't harm mma it actually like gets more people talking about it like if if, uh, if there's a wrong decision or believed to be a wrong decision in a huge fight people talk about it for longer than maybe if it's just a unanimous correct decision yeah, but does that put, <laughs> maybe, put people maybe off? you know i don't know if it does i think maybe you know people might talk about it more and i know obviously the, the promotions aren't thinking like that they're trying to get good judges in um as, as best as, as they can as you said like there's a limited pool of of really good judges in mma and there's a lot of shows going on around the place so it's impossible to have you know to always have the best judges but if they don't have the the, the right judges do they really care that much is it really that big of a problem does it really hurt the, the promotion know. that much like I, you can kind of blame it on the commission and off you go like. yeah i i think i think with someone like b the, the thing about bfl is they're trying to look really professional and i always thought well if you look at say cage warriors they always bring in like the the best judges from around the uk and they have mark goddard there we know him and they had you know neil hall or you know rest in peace to him when he was there and he was one of the best judges or referees in the world and you know they've always had and it, it made them look more professional it made them look like you know the, that step before the ufc and so and i think uh, when you see um an event and even like if big john mccarthy back in the day was on it or herb dean was on it and was over in russia or somewhere like that you're like oh okay they've been able to get herb and they've been able to get you know it may i do think it makes a difference to be honest um and, and like even in boxing you know most of the talk after if it's the unanimous decision it kind of the talk fades away after a couple of days but if there's about where it's a really controversial decision. People will talk about it more beyond Sky Sports News, probably the equivalent over in America. You know what I mean? It becomes yeah. a bigger thing and I gets suppose, more publicity. So uh, I don't I, really need to see it as much. Or I know it's kind of a different point in your making, but mm -hmm. I, I don't see, like, you know, I don't think they really, the promotions yeah, really care. For, they can just blame it on the commission and mm -hmm. oh, move on. Yeah, I suppose it depends what fighter. You know, if it's Conor McGregor getting robbed, maybe they wouldn't be too happy. But if it's him on the good side of it, maybe they'll be a bit happier about it. But yeah, I don't know. I don't think they think about it too much. But what about the fight anyway? Like, I, I remember we talked about last Rory's last fight, and I was like, I wanted to see this Gleason Debout fight. I actually thought it was a, a pretty good fight. I thought Gleason put up a, a good fight. You know, I thought I did think Rory won, but uh, I, I enjoyed the fight. Uh, anyway, 
you know, it's it's tough to kind of think back on it now because it was such a close judging decision to watch it from such a judging point of view. But uh, I I enjoyed the fight, and to be honest, it was a pretty good night uh, for for PFL um, Ray Cooper. He's just a tough fucker, Ray Cooper the third. He just really is, just gutted this one out, and a very good performance uh, for for him. Uh, Emmanuel Sardi, Dan Spun uh, in in a bit of a draw there. Chris Camozzi got a unanimous decision win. Um, Chris you can't beat that guy. You can't beat him. Jacker is a free agent now. He needs to turn up. Yeah, well, have this everybody's fight. been clamoring for that. Magomed, Magomed, Karimov got a brilliant Ezekiel choke win here. My boy Tom Lawler, my favorite podcaster, uh, got a win as well. And he looked like he retired afterwards. So I'm looking forward to, yeah. to his next one. So, <laughs> I was yeah. just about to say that. Fair play to Tom Lawler uh, even there. Right, let's get to uh, the UFC. While we're on the judging, let's just touch on the one terrible round I thought was here, and that was uh, uh, Virna Jendiroba versus uh, Kenoka Murata. Uh, this one ended in, in another uh, armbar. Arm it was like a, um, a TKO, a doctor stoppage, and a submission all in one. <laughs> it was like, oh, but the first round... Uh, Adelaide Bird gave it to uh, Kenoko Murata, and it was one of those rounds where it was just like, oh, that, like, she had the armor, she basically broke her arm, or dislocated anyway, um, and Murata ended up fighting the whole of the next round with a, with a broken arm, but I thought Jenderoba had the better of it on the feet. Murata did get on top, but Jenderoba was clearly winning it from the bottom. She had her in armbar. She had her in every sort of fucking thing. Murata didn't land anything. She was basically just on top for a while. And uh, I thought that, was, to me, that was a worse than any of the rounds in the, the T-Bow-McDonald fight. It was it was really bad. And there was another one as well, Marlon Vera, Davy Grant. One judge uh, gave the first round to Marlon Vera and I cannot see that at all. We'll get to that fight uh, in a second as well. But yeah, there was uh, not uh, not brilliant judging here at all. So <laughs> not to say there wasn't brilliant judging. The main event, I thought it was a good judging decision and stuff, but there was issues 100% this weekend uh, in the in the world of judging. And those to me, the Jandiroba one was terrible like inexcusable and the vera one was bad as well i thought david grant definitely won that first round but however um let's just i'll just quickly run through the uh the undercard here before we uh we get to the main card and maybe discuss those fights a little bit more uh casey o'neill who's been on a real run uh recently ireland's own uh got another win and a technical submission rear neck a choke against laura pacheco rich Glynn came back after a while out and got a very quick uh 37 second uh win with uh, tko and that one josh parisian rocky martinez that was a close close fight um josh parisian just got in that one uh chaos will I thought he looked fantastic against Matthew Simmonsberger. Um, it, to me, he looked more refined and more technical than he's ever looked before while still having that power and a bit of wildness as well to him. So I thought it was a very, very good uh, win there for him. And uh, Schimmelsberger even had a few shots of his own. So he looked he didn't look terrible as well. I think he's a guy who could do another four or five fights um, and he, he might improve a bit. But uh, then we had the uh, Jandiroba fight. That was a good doctor stoppage uh, after the second round. Um, I think, like, if... If a towel could have come in in the middle of the, the second round, it would have been justified because she could not intelligently defend herself with one arm falling down. But however, um, and a great fight in between uh, Nikolai Negomura, you know, against Alexa Kamer, uh, a split decision win for Nikolai there. Um, 
it was a cl- another close one again this is another hard fight uh, to judge but I think he just landed a little bit more impactfully I thought Kamor was more technical and more maybe classy in there but that doesn't matter it's down to impact if you land a more impactful shot uh, you win the, the round and, and uh, Nikolai definitely did that uh, at times throughout the fight anyway and look it's, it, it, it had kind of a split decision written all over it as I was watching it live um, so yeah that was pretty good undercard and pretty good guard uh, overall in the um and the main card then, what, what do you think of Matt Brown? I was, like, to be honest here, I was expecting Matt Brown to come in. At, I don't know if to get knocked out early, but I thought Matt Brown would maybe look a little bit older than he has previously and struggle against Diego Lima a bit. Like, in, in his prime, I think Matt Brown, I would have picked him easily, but I wasn't sure this time, but... He certainly looked good here. I thought he looked fantastic. What, what did you think of the Matt Brown performance? Yeah, yeah you kind of, I kind of expect Matt Brown to kind of come out as hard as he can and, you know, either get knocked out or go for the knockout. And if that doesn't work, kind of fade away. But, that you know, he, he came out here and got a really good win. You know, obviously he's had a, an up and down career and he's on the downside of it now, but he's still hard as nails and he still loves a scrap and he loves to get in there and, you know, uh, <laughs> trade blows. He's a kind of old school. He's not one of these uh, hit and don't get hit guys. He's one of these, uh, let's see, let's see who can take it, guys. And uh, if you play into that, you know, even at this age, if you if you let him kind of go to his game, this is what can happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I, like, uh, it was that KO. I, I, like, I think it was a, a relatively even fight before that. I thought he was, he was doing very, very well and he was eating a few leg kicks, but he was... <sighs> it's a weird thing to say but he was eating them in kind of a wise way and he was landing when he was coming in and and, and taking him uh, and uh, get, getting his own back but that KO it was one of those ones where you know I was watching it uh, what time was it like fucking half 12 at night and it, like in silence in the darkness the next day I'm like ah it was just like a he just deaded him in the middle of the cage it was a I thought it was a KO the year contender to be honest I thought it was just so sweet and so kind of not not necessarily unexpected but it was shocking at the time the way he just kind of fell and the way he KO'd him uh, just so you know unequivocally like that it was brilliant stuff from Matt Brown and uh, you know people are talking about Nick Diaz I wouldn't mind seeing Nick Diaz <laughs> people were talking about oh that's a great way to go out great Great way to retire, but, you know, this is MMA. No hope. Absolutely no hope. Actually, one thing as well before we move on to the next fight. Uh, the the Nikolai Negamaro fight, he he grabbed the cage a few times. And um, it was... Uh, oh, what's his name? Your man with the, what's the referee's name with the big beard? The big long... Uh, the most... Uh, yeah. the, Oh, uh, Mike Beltran, sorry. Mike Beltran. Yeah, sorry. yeah. He, uh, <laughs> I couldn't remember. He like slapped his hand off a couple of times and gave him like four warnings and still didn't take a point. And everyone was like going mad about it. And um, look, after that many warnings, I can I can see why people are going mad at it. The rule is there, and you probably should take it at, at some stage. And I think it probably just about reached uh, with twenty seconds left when he did like his fourth one. I think he reached a point where it probably should have had a point taken. But I absolutely hate that rule. I hate it. Like in a three-round fight, taking a point from someone is just too much for something like that. Like it's not hurting his opponent. It's not like changing the whole direction of the fight unless it's like a big one where it 
completely stops the takedown. But what we need, like, I think the rule needs to be changed. Still allow a point to be taken, right? If it's a very egregious, if it's awful, if it, you know, if something really bad happens, take a point. But change the rule and give the position. Like, if Nikolai holds the cage and Kamer's about to take him down, say to Kamer, right, do you want the fight on the ground? Do you want it in the middle of the cage? Do you want it against the, uh, against the cage in a clinch? And then if he says, right, I want it on the ground, well, there's no disadvantage to him, is there? He, he earns that position because Nikolai did the foul. Like, I would love the rule to be changed to that. It would take away the need for a point to be deducted or for a decision to be made about what, the point what would, you, what would you do about the like, eye pokes, for example, in the Roy McDonald T-Bow? If somebody keeps poking somebody in the eye, what would you do? That, well, that's a different one because that impacts you and impacts the the fighter that's that's an injuring blow so if that happens a couple of times absolutely take a point no i i i, I talked about this before and i've said maybe do this rule that i'm talking about for that as well but i don't think it works out i thought about it a little bit more but i do think for fin scraps like the thing for fin scraps is you, you we talk about this you know everyone says and it's it's a very kind of glib thing people say and i think uh, they said in the commentary last night about mark ratner the first warning is in the back but that's grand, like, until there's, like, a bit of a fin scrab. Like, do you immediately go out for and then take a point because there's one fin scrab? Like, but we... Sometimes if, your fingers can, like, slip into yeah. the cage as well. Or your toes or something like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you think they should just let people grab the cage? I've thought about that before. I don't know. Would, would, would you have broken fingers and stuff? <laughs> what, like, what well, it would stop there? people grabbing onto it then if, if you know, people were reefing them out and hurt, yeah. injuring them. I don't know. But, <sighs> like, if you give up a position every time someone grabbed the cage, then it's like what we what the big problem we have in MMA is we do not penalize these indiscretions at all, basically, unless there's like six of them, you know? There's never, there's never a, a point taken. And the reason the point is not taken, because taking a point is too much of uh, you know, of a penalization Game for danger. something like yeah. this. It's way too much with such few rounds. So we need another penalty for it. I feel like my penalty is a good one. Put someone on their back. Let, let, let's say, you know, if you're... Conor McGregor fighting Habib, right? And Habib grabs the fence. Well, if Conor McGregor gets the fight back out into the middle of the cage, that's a huge advantage to him. If you're Habib fighting Conor and Conor grabs the cage, if you put Conor on the ground, Habib is a huge advantage there. You know, that it, you give well, the what happens if you're on the ground under somebody like Habib and you keep grabbing the cage and there's no real benefit to Habib, yeah. uh, Habib in that situation? Well, that's, so you might as well. Yeah, I suppose. Well, I suppose. Yeah, but that's a situation then where we have the exact same rule as we have now. If the if it happens too much, you can take a point. So leave, you know, still have the ability to take a point. But in this these situations where the the grab defense give them the opportunity, you know, I I like I don't know. I just think it makes too much sense. I've thought about it an awful lot. I've, t I've spoken to different people about it. I just think it makes a lot of sense. But. Yeah, it's 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 an issue that's and like uh, we we talk about the judging as well in close rounds and in that video I talked about it's going to pop up all over and over and over again because at the moment we don't have the uh, the answer to the issue with the judging one I don't think we can answer the issue of close rounds because close rounds are always going to be close rounds but with this I feel like I have the answer and then it's, maybe I'm just being uh, maybe I'm being too fucking uh, I'm trying to think I, uh, there's been I can't think of any MMA promotion that's allowed people to, to grab I know like you know one let you knee and kick on the ground pride I'd like, like to see it I would like, I'd like to, to see, see it, it somewhere yeah. and see what it looks like. You know what I mean? Is yeah. it just ridiculous where the guys are like grabbing onto the cage with both hands and feet? I feel like it would <laughs> or be. Is it? <laughs> yeah. Was it the early days of the UFC you could grab onto the cage? Could you? Could you? Aaron, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I can't think of any examples of it being used. Uh, really, people were getting take, taken down in the middle of the cage rather than against the cage, like it is now. Yeah. 
yeah, but sure, look, these things happen. Anyway, we'll get back to the card here and we'll we'll run through it again. Uh, Bruno Silva got a beautiful left hook ground and pound KO over Wellington Thurman, who was doing his best to out grapple him at, at times throughout this fight, but Silva just looked comfortable, I thought, um, throughout and uh, got a, a lovely, nasty ground and pound uh, KO. Um, uh, Sung Woo Choi got a lovely KO as well over Julian Rosa. These three knockouts in a row were just a things of beauty, all different types of knockouts. But um, uh, Choi threw this lovely, I thought it was a right hook initially, but it was just a right, straight right hand down through the middle. But it forced De Rosa to kind of move his head off to, say, the left of Choi. And then Choi came in with a lovely left hook and just caught him clean and knocked him out. And a few shots on the ground. Beautiful shots on the ground. I think people sometimes look past those shots on the ground as well and I see here it's a TKO and I think that's the right thing as well because he was stunned with that left hand but there was the few shots in the ground the few uh, few finishers that really did finish him and uh, those are important if those hadn't been landed I think Arosa probably would have survived um, and he, you know if he'd said laid on top of him whatever if you'd given uh, Arosa you know 45 seconds maybe he would have been he would have been able to get through giving him a 10, 10 count he might have been able to get back up <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe yeah but uh, those uh, those shots at the end didn't and very very good I think Arosa is one of those lads as well i was talking to someone about it last night that he his style is very awkward for a lot of people the way he kind of moves and jolts and um you know uh, reacts to things but if you're smart enough and if you're technically good like chai you will throw something that he will react to and then you will react to his reaction knowing what he's going to do and i think that's exactly what chai did here with the right hand and the left hook after it. and he did it he did a couple times he did another one as well where um uh, he threw the left hook over the top and then Erosa came like right down. He dipped his head forward um, and then straight afterwards he like faked that left hook again. I think I think it was a left hook. And then he, Erosa didn't bite in it but Choi threw like the front kick right up through the middle thinking Erosa would dip down again. Like and uh, watching, well, I, I rewound to, to just watch the knockout and I ca- caught that right before and I was like, oh that's smart. You know, he's, he's a smart fighter and I like that and I think he's a, he's a good prospect too so he's definitely one to, uh, to watch out for. Um, what about the Chita Vera Davy Grand fight? This was fun as shit, wasn't it? What did you think of that one? Yeah, I think it was, you know, Davy Grant is obviously tough as nails and, you know, took some big shots but he also gave some big shots and, um, you know, I think, as you mentioned, there was uh, one of the decisions was uh, thirty twenty six for Vera. Yeah, uh, Derek Cleary gave gave a thirty twenty six, and yeah, I can't see that. I think you know the the Grant the, the first round was Grant's. I think uh, pretty clearly. I don't think there was a there was much debate there, and obviously uh, the second round was 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 closer, but it was Vera, and the third round was. You know uh, Vera as well, but uh, maybe a ten eight there uh, in that round. But uh, I think given the first round against Grant is, as you mentioned, just just wrong. Yeah, I, I would agree with everything you said there. To be honest, a hundred percent. Yeah, I, I look. I think like watching that fight in in the first round, David Grant was just. I thought he was just boxing him up. He was landing everything on him. He was he threw a big few big head kicks, spinning kicks. They were landing. His jab was landing. He beautiful just. Everything he was throwing, beautiful combination striking. He looks so slick. Now Vera did land a couple of leg kicks and stuff, but not not nearly enough to uh, 
to make up for what Grant landed on him. I thought it was one of the clearest rounds you could possibly see, and I'm I'm actually baffled with how someone would give it to uh, to Cheeto Vera. But look, at the end of the day, uh, if, well, I'm going to say it didn't make a difference, but like it, this fight could have been a draw. That that second round was very close. I did give it to to. Um, to Vera, Vera cut him uh, early, uh, it was close on the feet after that, David Grant landed a bit of ground upon, but Vera did in the end manage to get on top and he landed a few shots and I just think about, that was about enough uh, but it was a very very close second round, like I think the, the the shot that Vera threw and that cut David Grant, those three or four elbows that he threw, they're more easy to see as being impactful than the few shots that David Grant was landing in that round. Even though I think Davy landed some very impactful shots as well. But when yeah. there's blood coming and stuff like that, you know, it's... So most of the, the ones that cut you are like grazing shots as well. They might not hurt the most, but the, I suppose the impact is the cut. Yeah, but I, these ones, though, in fairness, they were. <laughs> Vera was coming right through the middle with those elbows. So I thought, I thought they were pretty impactful as well as as having the cut. But yeah, it was it was a close one. And then in the third, I thought Davy got very very tired. And even then, like, uh, um, um, Vera landed some nice shots early. I think it was uh, close to finishing Davy in like the first fifty seconds or so. But then Davy landed this beautiful. I think it was a left hand and stunned Vera. It might have been the best shot he landed in the fight or. Uh, the most kind of stunning one on Vera anyway because Vera is a very good chin but after that Vera just took him down and at, at times and mangled him beat him up uh, I, I did score a 10-8 but I thought it was very borderline it was one of those ones where I was thinking about the 3Ds you know did he have the damage yeah absolutely he, he beat him up did he have the duration yeah he won apart from that one punch and a little bit after it he won 4 minutes and, and 50 seconds of this round or you know maybe a little bit less than that um and uh, the damage duration and dominance. Did he have the dominance? Yeah. He won almost the, the whole round. So at that stage, you have to think about a 10-8. I thought it was enough. And the damage is the most important one. I thought he had lots of damage. So I did think it was a 10-8. I scored a 29-27. Um, I think one judge scored at that. The 29-28 was a good score as well. I think uh, there's not wrong with that. The 30-26. Look, he gave the 10-8. But I don't think the first round was good. But um, yeah, look, it could have been a draw. But I think... I just think about Marlon Vera was was enough to to win it. Like it was, it was one of those ones where the first round Vera was or the uh, Grant was dominant. The third round Vera was dominant, and then the middle round was was just close. So it was one of those fights again. Maybe run back, run it back, and do the the trilogy. I know Vera probably won't want to do that now, but uh, I wouldn't mind seeing the trilogy. I thought it was a good fight. Uh, but however, I uh, I I think. I don't know. I think Davy Grant is a better fighter than Marlon Vera. You know, I think he might be a little bit. You know, what did he say? He was thirty-five years of age, a lot of injuries and stuff down through the years. He's if he. I think if he hadn't tired so badly in the third round, I think his his style is the reason why he tires as well because it's such an output laden, hard punching style. Uh, it's it's you're always going to tire, but uh, yeah, I think maybe if he was a twenty six year old in there against Vera, it might have been a little bit easier. But uh, however, uh, a good fight anyway, and I think that one fight at night so very very well uh, deserved. Um, Sergey Spivak against Alexei Olenek then not much to say about that one just two old lads gone in there Alexei Olenek trying to choke him not really working uh, and Spivak just trying to stay away from him landing a few jabs and stuff uh, one and two close enough ended with Olenek on top both times uh, I, it was funny like most people I think scored the first for Olenek and then the second for Spivak if I'm not mistaken uh, I actually thought it was the other way around I thought Spivak was closer to ending it or sorry Olenek was closer to ending it at the end of the second but there were two relatively very close rounds uh, and the third round was a big round for Spivak but not much to, to say about that um, 
the main event then this was this was a very very interesting fight i thought because when you look at it right this was a dominant two round destruction for Chan Sung Jung in the middle of three very close rounds. I think that's exactly what this was. Like, if, if you're to say who won that fight, it's like, ah, Chan Sung Jung kind of beat him up, you know, throughout the fight. But he, he did in rounds two and three. But in rounds one and four, he really didn't. It was very close. You could have given him either of those rounds, you could have given him against him. And in round five, uh, for four minutes, it was very close as well, but I thought the Korean zombie just did enough at the end of that fifth round to take it away. But I thought the commentary here was like completely missing what had happened in this fight just because they, they kind of failed to acknowledge that rounds are scored and fights are scored round by round, you know. And um, I don't know, it was, one, it, it was one of those ones where you kind of just get taken away and it looks like it's a domination. But if you give that first round to Iga, which all three judges did, after the third round, he's after getting destroyed for two rounds, but he's still only a round down. And then you have a very close fourth. That could have very well been even going into the fifth. Now it wasn't. The judges gave it to to, uh, to the Korean Zombie, which was a, an absolutely fine score. But if they had given that close fourth round to Ige, it would have been uh, even going into the fifth round. And all three judges would have, could have had it even going into the fifth. And the commentary were like, oh, he's 4-0 up. This is just a cakewalk. It's a, you know, we're just, he just needs to get to the finish. And I was like, at home, I was like, geez, he needs to win this last minute of the fight to, to secure it, you know, and uh, I don't know. I, f- I felt like they just kind of left an opportunity well, behind. They, they, they were proved. They were proven right in the end. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like they weren't proven right because they kept saying he was four nil up when it, it was three one. But like, how close was that fourth? I think everyone acknowledges that fourth round was close. You know, no matter how you thought the fight went, um, it, it that was fourth round was definitely close. But how? Yeah. What did you think oh, of yeah. the fight over on? I had the first three for the Korean Zombie. Obviously, the first was, as you mentioned, like razor close, uh, having gone back and watched it. But at the time, I was confident enough to, to give it to the Korean Zombie. Uh, obviously, the second and the third, are nobody's really arguing them. Uh, the fourth, I gave to Ike. And the fifth, I gave to, to Korean Zombie. That, that's interesting. So, so I give the first to, to Ike. You give the fourth to him. So, like, that could have been a drag on into the fifth. <laughs> Yeah. Like there, there you go. I think that it was that close. I, 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 uh, I gave, yeah, I gave the four to, to him as well. Although, I don't know. Thinking back, maybe I would have given it to the Korean Zombie and made it, made it four one. But I don't know. I don't know. It was, it was one of those close ones. But I, no, I definitely thought I won the first. To be honest, I actually, I had loads of notes taken and I somehow deleted them. So I don't have a, uh, I can't remember exactly what happened, but I did, uh, and I, t- I think a lot of the the people who pay attention to judging as well on on Twitter and stuff had did give it tag, and all three judges gave it tag as well. So you know, it was it was a closer fight than it may have maybe have looked, and that it was uh, we were told on the commentary that it was, but um, yeah, it was. It, what what did you think? Like I, I I remember thinking at one stage after like the, or in the middle of the third round, I'm like. I'm just so happy that the Korean Zombie is still this good because I think MMA is better when the Korean Zombie is around and when he's fighting at the very top. And I saw number four alongside his name last night, and now he beat Ige. So you know, he said afterwards, "I'm number three now" or something like that. But uh, it's good, isn't it, to have the Korean? I know you're a huge fan of of Chan Sung Jung. It's good to have him still around, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Like you know, he took a couple of years, even more away for for the military duty, and uh, you know, in the middle of his kind of prime, and that could have really you know scuppered him. You know, we always talk about how quickly MMA moves on and being out and all. I think he was kind of lucky in a way. I believe he was like teaching martial arts, was he in the? 
yeah, I think he was in yeah, the he military. Was like, yeah. So he, yeah, it, it kind of kept him, kept him in the game, which I think was was important. And maybe this wasn't his most exciting kind of vintage Korean Zombie uh, WEC days mm-hmm. performance, but it was it was a smart uh, fight. Like you know, Ige's a good fighter, and he needed to mix in some takedowns. And maybe he's not the best wrestler, but he, his timing, as they they correctly mentioned on the on the commentary, was very good. And like mixing in little trips and stuff and uh always keeping his opponent guessing um and a, like a really good performance uh obviously uh he, he's a he's a guy who maybe over three rounds can output a bit more than he can over five rounds but uh he's always he's always exciting even if this day was it was an exciting for it even if it wasn't one of his most exciting vintage yeah. korean zombie take one to give one kind of performances mm-hmm. i thought it was a smart you know intelligent fight while still being exciting enough you know the, those takedowns when he got him at the right times and the ground upon he landed were very smart you know it was it was what you want to see from you know an exciting fighter who you want to get to the very top uh, it was just one of those displays and you know i thought i you know fought well as well at times throughout the fight um and he didn't give up you know there was he looked a bit disheartened there at one stage after and how could you not i suppose after the, in his the corner yeah he said he seemed a bit like i don't know maybe he lacks a bit of belief in himself or yeah. something he did come back though, in fairness in the four yeah, round no, no, yeah because he was still in the fight like and he seemed to be very disheartened in his mm-hmm. corner and needed to be kind of pepped up every time yeah, maybe maybe it was one of those ones where he thought, "Oh shit, if I have another round like that, I could get finished," you know. And it's you know it's easy for us to 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 sit here and think, "Oh, you need to have belief in you," but it's not that fucking easy. I'm sure when the Korean zombies fucking coming at you like like a fucking freight train for two rounds, you know. So you know, fair play, I thought you get for uh, or Ige even for um, uh, popping back and and uh, doing uh, making a fight of it late, especially in the fourth and fifth round. So good uh good stuff from him altogether um so yeah overall a very fun card i thought the the co-main event it, it wasn't great but it was one of those ones where um Olenek always you know makes it a bit dangerous and in the main event was uh, a fun odd fight but uh we got lots of knockouts before it anyway so a well-rounded card i would say uh last night for the ufc next week as well uh they have a, 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 a not a bad card to be honest for um for the uh the non casuals i suppose and uh, the undercard yancy madeira so fighting damir hanzovic um i see here the on wikipedia there's announced about tim elliott versus sue uh, mudajari I, I i don't know if that fight's still happening or not i, I saw sue was off a card there recently i'm not sure if it was that or not but that's a fun fight if it's happening warley alves as well looks like he's on the card uh, charles <laughs> rosa versus justin james uh julia oliva versus uh, stalyarinko uh tim means versus nicholas dalby that's a fun fucking fight um <laughs> Mikel Prezeres is on this card. Timur Valiev versus Hani Barsolas. I really like that fight in the bantamweight division. And in the main, that's all on the undercard. So there's some very good fights there for the uh, the hardcores. Joy Herbert versus Hinata Maikano. I don't know what Joy Herbert has done to the UFC matchmakers. They keep giving him hard matchups. And that's another fucking hard matchup for him. But uh, I think if he wins that, it's it's a very big win for him. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that fight. It's a very, 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 very fun fight. I'm sure there'll be lots of uh, good boxing and that. You know, I spoke to, to Joe McCulligan at the weekend. Um, we'll, we'll get to him in a second. but um, or, or during the week even. And he fought Joy Herbert before. And it's good to see, you know, where, where he is this weekend. And where Joy Herbert is coming up next weekend as well. So... Uh, looking forward to seeing that Andre Feely against Daniel Pineda uh, Kenny, uh, Kennedy Njukowu is on the card against Daniel Marquez OSP against Tanner Bowser and then Cyril Gagne against Alexander Volkov what do you think of that main event Graham? Um, yeah 
I'm very intrigued to to mm. see what it looks like. Uh, obviously, Ganya is uh, Cyril Gan is a, a really high level prospect, but it's it's always interesting. I know he's been in there with a couple of a couple of very good guys already, but it's uh, we just, I just want to see questions posed to him and see how he reacts and see what he looks like and see uh, what improvements he's made fight to fight because. Uh, he's obviously very young in his career, but he, he seems to have all the tools from what we've seen so far. But uh, obviously, um, there's some stiffer tests at the top of the heavyweight division. And uh, Volkov's been on, you know, kind of in his Bellator days, you know, he was kind of maybe a bit one dimensional. He was just a striker, but now he seems to have kind of rounded out his game a bit and like big wins over uh, Walt Harris and over him in his last two you know, finishing the both of them in the second round, it's impressive and it'll definitely be a test for Gagne, but I expect uh, Cyril to come through this pretty, you know, uh, composed and relaxed and fluid as he's, as he's looked and, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, uh, five rounds would be a test for him, but I can see him maybe, you know, getting a, a third or fourth round TKO here. Yeah, I it's I think it's a very interesting fight because it's one of those ones where you look at it and you're one thing that came to mind as well when I'm thinking about this fight is the small cage and I wonder how you know this obviously on the UFC Apex I wonder how that will play into this because oh, I didn't even think about that yeah yeah, yeah. like Ganya has fought in the small cage before against Rosenstruck but Rosenstruck isn't kind of the one to jab you and to cut off the cage against you but Falkov is you know he's a big tall guy and as you said there I think it's a very good point as well if he can put in a few takedowns when he does cut off that cage that could be a game changer against someone like Ganya now I, I think Ganya will win I think he'll be able to deal with it but I think what this is is a very good test at this stage of his career I would have held him back another little bit to be honest uh, in his last few fights but he's dealt with everything so far uh, and if he can deal with Volkov he'll be right there or thereabouts up towards the top of the division but this is a very very intriguing fight and a real real huge test for Cyril Ganya I just think he'd be a little bit too quick with his uh, his his footwork in his hands and we, he's shown now he can fight over five rounds as well like it's not often in the heavyweight division that like you think it's going to be a five round decision i would be surprised if this didn't go to the decision to be honest i think this is going to be a, a one that goes to the decision maybe if you're uh, betting on it maybe that's the, the bet to go to although my bets my betting tips aren't the best although i did get two out of three last last betting show so uh but um yeah I'm, look, i think this will be one of the most like technical heavyweight fights you will see because they're both of these guys are good look they hit hard and they can obviously knock you out and submit you and stuff as well but i think these are two of the most technical guys try to fight technically uh in the in the UFC heavyweight division so i'm looking forward to uh looking forward to seeing that one play out um as well next week uh we have a bellator cards timothy johnson is fighting for the interim heavyweight belt i believe against valentin moldanovsky liz karmouche uh is fighting kana wanatabe daniel Veichel. Uh, is fighting Kinoni Diggs, who's nine and oh, and after that, uh, Miles Jory versus Sydney Outlaw Sodden Sodden back, as I always uh, say. It, uh, is fighting Bobby Lee. Uh, uh, Lee Chadwick is also on the card for the people in this side of the of the water. Uh, so yeah, not not the best card in the world, but uh, an okay card coming up from Bellator and also PFL. Um, they have the return of uh, Kayla Harrison, um, who is fighting your favorite fighter, Graham, Cindy Dandoa. 
uh, Anthony Showtime Pettis is back against uh, Roush Manfio. Um, and there's other fights on that as well. Lance Palmer is back here. Caitlin Young is on this card. Uh, so, yeah. And it was live on Air Sport last week. So, hopefully, it'll be in Air Sport again uh, next week. Um, so, that was that was good to be able to see it on television as well. Um, so, let's talk a little bit. Actually, before we get to Cage Warriors, um, John Mitchell fought the uh, the Russian Conor McGregor this week. I saw bits of the fight. I, didn't, I wasn't able to see the whole thing. But um, I saw a few people saying that could well be two 10-7 rounds <laughs> for, for John Mitchell. And then he ended up getting the, the stoppage, I believe. I think it was at the end of the second round. So, uh, very good stuff from John Mitchell. I saw the, the bits of it. I saw he was on top. And he was absolutely destroying uh, Aliyev. I think his name was... Um, but a very good performance from John Mitchell and uh, John Redmond uh, ended up getting uh, submitted in the first round over in, I think it was Marbella where his fight was. Uh, but uh, John hasn't been able to fight in a good while. He's had a few fights cancelled, so look, it was good to see him back in the cage and getting, uh, getting a bit of a paycheck. But unfortunate, obviously, to uh, to get that loss in, in, the, uh, in the first round. Um, so... Let's get to, to Cage Warriors, and as I said, we won't give a full breakdown of all these Cage Warriors cards because I will have um, my usual preview with Brad Wharton, that'll be over on, over on Patreon, uh, and I'll put it up for free as well for everyone to listen to it here, but it's there's some very, very good fights coming up here, Cage Warriors 1, 2, 3, 1, 2, 4, and 1, 2, 5 next Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and the Cage Warriors 1, 2, 3 card, Natias Frederick, who to me is one of the most dangerous fighters around the scene at the moment, is defending his middleweight title against Matthew Bonner, um, uh, Christian Neri Duncan and Will Curry is on this. Sam Creasy is on the card. Uh, Manny Akpan, who myself and uh, Jake were talking about at the weekend, is one of the top prospects. 3-0. He looked fantastic in his last fight. Um, George McManus, who fought Ian Gary last time out, is on this as well. So a very good card on the Thursday night. But on the Friday night, I think it's uh, the Irish uh, <laughs> invasion kind of starts. And there's a big card on the Saturday night. Before we get to the main event in a second, uh, there's some... Good stuff on the undercard as well. Dominic Wooding, Cameron Hardy. Uh, the two Hardwick brothers on this, Harry and George. Uh, Harry fighting John and Dye and Har- uh, George is fighting Dean Truman. So good fights there. Two for, hard uh, matchups, yeah. Yeah, two very hard matchups. Uh, Justin Burlinson is finally back in Cage Warriors. He fights David Bear. Nicholas LeBlond is on this against Luke Shanks. Uh, Steve Amiable uh, back in Cage Warriors. Again, Aaron Khaled, uh, who has said recently that oh, I want to fight Ian Gary. Uh, so he'll need to win this one against the 6-0 Jesse uh, Orlina and then uh, Matters Flaminas as well fights Alexi Mantikivi uh, in the uh, co-main event here but Aggie Sagdari against Joe McCulgan I spoke to Joe during the week and he was very confident you know if, if anyone has if you haven't seen that interview it's on our YouTube Joe one of the most honest guys ever. I like. I asked him, like, do you think you'll get to the UFC and you know if you win this and stuff? He's like, I don't know, you know, maybe not. And then I was like, would you like to fight the American guy? He's like, not really. No. <laughs> so, like, it, was just, it was a fantastic interview. He talked about his concussions and cage warriors wanting him to fight. Uh, kind of threw him and stuff, which was very, very uh, illuminating for me and very interesting. Joe wasn't shying away from talking about any of that stuff. So very, very good interview. But um. This fight against Aggie Sagdaris, Aggie very, very well-rounded, and Joe, you know, we've seen what Joe can do with his hands over the last few years. What, what do you think of this one, Graham? Big fight for Joe again, isn't it? Yeah, another big fight for Joe. He seems, he seems to always be in tough matchups uh, throughout his career, his professional career. And, you know, uh, this is another one, but uh, as you said, he seems very confident. 
his opponents coming off, you know, two two really big wins, Jack Grant and Desme, uh, both split decision wins. And before that, he was he was finishing people. Uh, uh, his last losses, what, nearly four years ago. So he's been on a bit of a streak, but you know, Joe McCoggins an awkward, an awkward, guy, an awkward fighter. His record maybe doesn't show how experienced and and how well rounded he is. Uh, as we mentioned, like you know, he's been in there with people like Queeley in his second ever fight. His pro debut was against Tom Hogan, a really strong, uh, imposing uh, Irish fighter. Uh, he's uh, obviously uh, Arnold Quiro was what. 18 fights deep, 13 and five at the time uh, when he when he had a split, close split decision with him. He's, he's gone there against uh, Richard Williams, who was undefeated, Sean Carter, Joy Herbert. You know, he's, he's definitely not shied away. Like his, his last loss was to Mason Jones. Um, and we both know how good Mason Jones is. So he's, he's a difficult fight for any for for anybody. He's a he's a, you know, he's a gamer. He'll bring it. And uh, like, you know, I have a sneaky feeling he might get it done here, to be honest. Yeah, like, I like Aggie Sardari a lot, and I think, I said it before, I think he'll get to the UFC and he'll have, you know, 10 or 15 fights in the UFC. He's just one of those guys, but I feel like, because he's very well-rounded, but I feel like his pace will suit Joe McCulgan. Because, like, usually, when you're fighting someone like Joe, who's, like, a good technical striker, you want to kind of, you know, up the pace and maybe get inside against him and make it awkward for him and not want him to get off his box and stuff. But I think Aggie's the type of guy who is, will fight a slower pace and a longer fight and throw a long jab and look for a takedown and stuff like that. And I feel like if Joe can get his hands going early and get, you know, get maybe a bit of a lead through a couple of rounds, I think, I think it could be a tough fight for Aggie. Now, I don't know. I, I would probably just about pick Aggie in this one. I think maybe... You know, if he, I, I, I think Joel win the first round. I just think he, it'll be one of those fights. But I think if Aggie can maybe get a couple of takedowns, um, towards the maybe the, the second, third, fourth rounds, this five round fight might be just the benefit to him because he's, you know, he kind of has that in his back pocket as well. But I wouldn't be surprised if Sean McCoggan won this fight at all. I think it's a very, very, uh, good matchup. You know, Ian Dean only puts on good matchups, but I feel like the the technical. Even I was going to say striking the boxing matchup in this will be very very good, but I do think Sardari or Sardari will be looking for takedowns um, at some stage in the fight, whether it's early. But I I, I don't know, but I would uh, think against Joe McCulgan, you'd kind of weather that storm early and then you know get him kind of lull him into a striking match and then maybe try to take him down. But Joe, you know, speaking to him, he's confident enough that he can stop the takedowns and he's confident everywhere against uh, Aggie. So you know, really really looking forward to this fight, and I'm kind of glad it's the main event although i was hoping for like an all irish night uh the next time i think uh fight fellow what fight was it? let me just look here on topology uh that won't scroll down for me for some reason uh but uh oh yeah Vucinic versus uh, sharia of course fell out uh on this and they're looking to rematch uh, later in the year but um yeah a really really fun fight there and then on the saturday cage warriors one two five there's lots of irish interest here um before that though tobias hilaria is back and he you know it was between him, the two lads I just mentioned, and Paul Hughes, all around there for the 145 pound belt, um, which uh, Vucinic uh, currently holds. He's fighting William Gomez, so I'm looking forward to that. Kieran Mulholland is on this card against Connor Wilson. Leon Hill out of Team KF is getting another opportunity after taking the last fight on Sharn Otis against Marcus Lewis, making his pro debut. James Hinden, Paul McBain, that's a fun fight. Uh, Paul Redmond as well comes back here against uh, Mehdi Bin Lachter. We'll get to that in one second. Connor Hignett against uh, Gerardo Fanny as well, who fought for the belt last time out. 
uh, as well. So the three Irish guys, Paul Redman, Decky McAleen, and, and uh, Ian Gary, obviously, in a minute. Let's uh, talk about Decky first. He's fighting Steve McIntosh. I, I think that's a good match, make as well. I, look, I think Decky is, is not too far away in that lightweight division. They have lots of big lightweight fighters there, but I feel like if Decky can win this fight and say maybe fight, you know, if Faggy Sadari was to lose to Joe, maybe someone like a Sadari or someone like a Paul Redmond or a Bin Lactar or something like that in his next fight, it you know it could uh, put Decky onto the next level. Like in fair in fairness, I didn't think Decky would like be in this picture not too long ago, but I thought he's I think he's improved an awful lot over the last while, and uh, he's looking a real real well rounded fighter. Now he was kind of laughing at people the last day that were calling him uh, calling him a jujitsu artist, and he, he thinks of himself as a striker. But I think that kind of tells a story that he's become more of a well rounded fighter. What, what do you think of uh, Decky recently, Graham? You 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 fancy him to get towards the, the title picture in, in Cage Warriors at some stage? Yeah, well, like I think, as you said, this is a good matchup. Uh, McIntosh is no mug, but he's uh, he's not like at the top level. And I think I think Decky's still building. You know, obviously he's uh, he, he had a couple of tough losses against Amiable and uh, Mearns, but uh, they were close decisions. You know, yeah, he's always in exciting fights, and he has a couple of good wins since then. Uh, most recently against Adam Venture, so uh, a good finish there as well. Um, before obviously the the split draw with with Kieran Lister, who's obviously a, a good fighter as well. He's he's fought against Joe McCulgan, and uh, I think I think like Decky's kind of always in close fights. So I see this being another close fight, but I see him being able to do do enough to to win two or three rounds. Yeah, I I I agree. I think it'll be a close one, but it'll be interesting. Like Decky's pulled out a few finishes lately as well as you mentioned there against Adam Venture and stuff. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Medi been lacked our dog against Paul Redmond. What a fight this is. You know, it's funny. Medi's only six fights here, and it feels like I've watched more than six many, many, many fights. I don't know why. But uh, he was obviously in that war with Joe McCulligan. Uh, yeah, you know, went to a draw in the end. Yeah, it was a very yeah, good fight. And he's, you know, Joe said it himself in the interview I did with him the other day that he hits very, very hard. And, uh, you know, Paul Redmond coming back after a bit of a layoff here. He, look, Paul has the experience. He's had the UFC experience. Bellator, KSW, what is he, 23 fights into his career now against Medi, who's only si- had the six fights. It, it's an interesting one. You know, Paul Redmond has shown before he's well able to strike. And at one stage, I remember thinking about him, like his striking was improving an awful lot. But he's had kind of so many setbacks over the last couple of years. It's it's tough. But I think Paul's wrestling and his jiu-jitsu was so good that if he could go in there, take Medi down a couple of times over three rounds, you know, I think he might have enough for him, but if Medi keeps it on the feet, he's yeah. hit so I think, hard. I think, I think it's important for Redmond to get a first round takedown, as, as Joe mentioned. Uh, there's a lot of power there, and that'll be taken away a bit if you yeah. if you put him on his back and for, hold him there and punish him a bit. And maybe obviously Redmond has a has a number of um, kind of unorthodox submission wins to to his name over the years, and he's always dangerous with that kind of thing. And leg locks and stuff just make him work on the ground make uh, make him uncomfortable and i think you know redmond's shown in his career that he's more than willing to do that and it's very hard to stop him doing that and maybe maybe in a few years there might be a, a different fight but i think redmond should have enough to to get it done here but i wouldn't be i wouldn't be too surprised you know a year and a half out a guy who hits really hard if if uh, redmond doesn't get an early takedown it could be trouble yeah i would just about pick paul redmond here but I, oh, it's it's, a, it's really a difficult one to 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 know, and I think it'll be a fun fight whichever way it goes. I think it's uh, 
you know, I think it's either, either Redmond will get it to the ground and maybe get a submission or something like that, or it'll be a fucking a banger on the feed for for as long as a, as someone stays conscious. But uh, yeah, it's a really fun fight there. And then the main event, Ian Gary. You know, we've we've talked about Ian for the last few years during his career, and this is you know the the big next step. Uh, look, I remember doing the interview with him above in uh, above in Dublin that time. You know, he's talking about no one wants to wake up in the morning and and fight for Bellator and stuff like that, and he's like always. Oh, maintained his path is to the UFC and now in his seventh fight you know he is this is the path you know win the cage warriors belt maybe defend it and then go to the UFC and this is another big step on you know one of the probably you know the best Irish prospects since Conor McGregor maybe you know up there with James Gallagher and a couple more um so it's a big big fight for him here against Jack Grant who is you know an experienced guy you know we mentioned it with Paul Redmond there against Medi similar sort of thing um 23 it's actually the exact same as a 23 fights against six which is funny um you know beat matters for me in his last fight in the semi-final of that but lost to sardari for the the lightweight title before but he has some very good wins you know uh, yasin balaj and perry goodwin and fighters like that down through the years so uh look you'd have to favor ian gary here i just think he's too big and too strong and too good but over five rounds that's another thing as well Ian Gary's uh, if I'm not mistaken I don't think he has but he's never fought over five rounds before if Jack Grant can manage to get through the first couple and you know survive a little bit and, and get you know take the fight long how will Ian Gary look I, I tend to think he'll look okay and I think <laughs> tend to think he'll do well but it's it's another dimension you know we always talk about fighters when they not, not only going five rounds but going into a fight which is five rounds and having to adjust their style to you know not maybe go out and immediately look for the knockout they have to like conserve their energy a little bit to fight over five rounds and that is a thing you're thinking about you know maybe if you are Ian Gary as well as you know the, the tactics and the technical aspects of it so uh, that's another thing for him to think about but uh, to, uh, I think he'll have enough I think he will uh, I think he'll win this fight but big big moment and a big step uh, for Ian Gary and, and for Irish MMA isn't as well Graham this weekend yeah it is it's, it's a it's a big fight you know he's obviously coming off fighting a, a guy who, who, who had just fought in the UFC and you know not disgraced himself he had close decisions and uh, he, he went through him Gary went through him like like he was he was nothing um, very impressive performance uh, obviously Grant is an experienced guy he's obviously as you mentioned fought uh, recently against uh, Sardari and in a close split decision loss and before that, his last loss was against Joy Herbert, and you know everybody knows how big a fan you are of uh, Joy Herbert's skills, and mm-hmm. uh, he's like he's fought some very tough guys. But I do think Gary has something extra special that maybe these guys don't have. He, 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 he hopefully, you know, he can continue on this path and not rush anything. But I think, you know, uh, he's running out of options if he wins this. Uh, impressively, uh, you know, I think the UFC be sniffing around him. So I think this is a huge fight for Gary. I think he knows that it's you know that he's getting very close now, and um, he'll he'll either rise to the occasion or it'll affect him. But I get the I get the I get the feeling from following him for however many, however many years we have now that uh, he, he's his own. He has nobody has more confidence in Ian Gary than Ian Gary himself, mm-hmm. and and he'll rise to the occasion like he has before in the past, and he'll he'll. Uh, you know, um, he, we've seen him face a little bit of adversity in the past and he's come through it. So, you know, we, we still haven't seen him, like, you know, really have to kind of, you know, turn things around. But uh, I don't see this being the fight that he was. I think we, we might have to wait until he gets to the big show for, for to see him, to see him, um, 
you know, really, really tested. Yeah, I I would tend to agree with that. Although, you know, Jack Grant is, you know, he's a tough guy and a, a tough fight for anyone. But uh, I would I would tend to agree. I would like to see, you know, you, I think you're exactly right in what you said there. They will the UFC will absolutely be sniffing around him, and you know, the next big Irish star they'll want to to sign Ian Gary. Um, but I, I think he'd be better off waiting an extra couple of fights. Maybe I, I don't like the idea of going to, to 185 unless he can't safely make 170 anymore. But I think he should stay at 170, you know, not try to do the McGregor thing of winning the two belts. I'm sure, you know, he could step up there. But that's that's a tough fight against Andreas Frederick as well if he's taking that one. But I, I think he should stay at 170 if he wins the belt, defend it a couple of times maybe, and then, uh, you know, get to the UFC. But, you know, if the UFC come calling... I think uh, Ian Gary will go running to, to be honest because he's always talked about that yeah. and, you know you like if the UFC, were, the UFC were planning on putting on a show in Dublin obviously his coronavirus uh, scuppered that but you know if they were to put on a show in the next one or two years you know they'd, they'd want somebody like Gary on the card and maybe that will depend on when the UFC come from I, I I hear Graham. There's a there's a I hear there's a show planning on coming to Ireland. Not maybe not a UFC show, but uh, I hear there's a big show planning coming to Ireland before the end of the year. But wait, we wait and see. I don't know. You can can never say anything uh, for certain with the coronavirus, but uh, we might see a uh, a couple of our big Irish stars and and uh, fighting on these shores before the end of the year. But however, uh, yeah. Look look looking forward look, looking forward to uh the scene and Gary and Decky McLean and, and Paul Redmond and Joe and all the rest of them. Kieran Mulholland, Leon Hill, uh, fighting this weekend and uh, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a long week in in MMA again. And then we've uh, obviously I'm gonna wait for a couple of days and then Conor McGregor's fighting the week after that uh, as well. So um you know big big while for Irish MMA coming up. Before we go um. Anderson Silva won last night against Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. in a, in a boxing bout, which I watched this morning. Woke up at like 7 o'clock to a text like, oh, you need to watch that, Sean. And I was like, well, fuck it, go on. Um, eight rounds of boxing. Um, and I thought Anderson Silva won it pretty comprehensively, to be honest. His jab looked absolutely fantastic. Fought southbound for the whole fight. Looked like a proper boxer uh, against Chavez Jr., very very good stuff from Anderson Silva and it was great like it was it was I was happy for Anderson he's one of these guys and especially during the week he like talked to Chris Weidman on uh, Chris Weidman's new podcast and they were talking about like their broken legs and stuff and Chris like apologized to him for celebrating afterwards and Anderson was like don't don't worry about it he's like I know I've seen your like wife and daughter and stuff and he was like I was happy for them basically and I was like oh geez what a what a fucking what a lovely guy and it was good to see you know he's always kind of dreamt of boxing and talking i think it was um oh what's his name the uh the former ufc pr guy was talking about ant evans um like there was only a couple of things that made anderson silva talk uh and and, and speak in english you know when he always refused on interviews and one of them was a uh, spider-man and boxing and you know it was always clearly always his dream to have a boxing match and to go in there and beat julio cesar chavez jr like that and i know people you know chavez jr is one of these kind of He's a, he's a bit of a fuck up and he failed to make weight and he doesn't really care and stuff but you know still and all for a, a guy who's uh, I think he's had a couple of boxing matches before but never boxed at that level before to go in and beat him not just you know land a lucky bunch and knock him out to beat him to a decision I know it was a split decision but I thought Anderson won and I think most people thought Anderson won as well just so delighted for him and uh, MMA is on top again you know MMA is better than boxing I, uh, so well, he, he always he always for about 10 years talked about Roy Jones Jr yeah. boxing him Roy Jones Jr box recently so maybe 
Maybe, maybe he'll get I, I, I think Anderson would beat him after all we'll seeing what I, I saw at the weekend. So, uh, yeah, maybe that will happen. You could, like, I saw Jake Paul tweeting, uh, oh, congratulations, Anderson Silva, great performance. I'd love to see you on the undercard against Roy Jones Jr. And I'm like, mm, why aren't you calling out Anderson Silva? <laughs> that's, that's the sort of guy, you know, that you, if you're Jake Paul, you would badly want to avoid because he showed some serious skills in that fight and he would fucking destroy someone like Jack, uh, Jake Paul in a, in a boxing match, never mind an MMA fight. So, yeah, it's, uh, good to see Anderson Silva you know it's good to see Anderson Silva in there not looking like a jaded old MMA fighter anymore it was you know because uh, I and I think that the ghost of Anderson Silva yeah, he was so good that it's kind of it was sad to see him looking and it wasn't that he was looking terrible or anything like that he did all right even the Uriah Hall fight you know and he was one in a couple of rounds in that if I'm not mistaken or one round anyway but um just when you see someone so good, like I'm sure you you've seen it with soccer players playing for Liverpool, like Steven Gerrard coming towards the end of his career was absolutely rubbish, and like even me watching Wayne Rooney and things like that, um, it, it's it's sad to see sometimes. Wayne but, Rooney um, throughout his career, you mean? Well, after the age of nineteen, nah. Well, England and Man United's top scorer, yeah, Wayne Rooney, absolutely <laughs> Wayne Rooney went from being... Uh, penalty merchant. He, what, you would love Seth, Stephen Gerrard took penalties as well. What are you talking about? Like? But uh, anyway, um, <laughs> Wayne Rooney went from one of the most overrated players in the world to one of the most underrated players in the world in like, the space of a couple of years, but however. Um, let's take a couple of questions before we go. Mr. Podge, surely Matt Brown should retire on the high, uh, but will he now think uh, he's on a run and <laughs> I can't wait? And STD says he'd love to see him fight Nick Renate. It would be a good time to retire, I suppose, but, like, MMA. <laughs> we are in MMA. Let's be honest. We are in MMA. What would you like to see next for Matt Brown? Would you... Like, it's it's tough. Well, like, he's, he's not going to retire. Like, so, yeah, I think if Nick Diaz wants to come back, you know, he's been out for fucking way too long, and if he wants to come back, a Matt Brown fight would be, would be a good fight to make. It'd be a tough fight for Diaz to come back uh, in after... A long time, but a fight that like he could win. Uh, so I think it's uh, if Nick Diaz wants to come back, I'm sure, I'm sure uh, the UFC would be happy to have him back. And somebody like Matt Brown, if he wanted that fight, yeah, that could that could happen. But uh, yeah, there's not too many matchups. I'm I'm excited to see match Brown, Matt Brown in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Like I, I feel like. <laughs> I think the thing with Matt Brown is like there he seems to me to be one of these fighters that will just keep fighting until like his 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 last fucking brain cell is gone when he's fighting and that's a sad thing to fucking say but that does happen with fighters a lot and um I don't know, maybe putting him against Nick Diaz be a bit safer for him, but I'm not sure about Nick Diaz after what Matt Brown did at the week uh, or yesterday with that uh, with that big knockout, but yeah, I'm after losing all my questions. Seen fighters like Matt Brown when they're when they're, for example, if that was the last fight on his deal, mm-hmm. just kind of go for one of these one million dollar tournaments and just take a crack at it, like. Yeah, but I think that's going. It's a tough road. We've seen it with a few of these guys, like you know, it's it's not always the easiest thing in the world to do. Like Tom Lawler even going in there. I thought Tom Lawler would do pretty well in that, but I think you know he's a little bit past his prime as well and turning around in five or six weeks to fight a second fight is a big issue i think for guys as well like even rory i I didn't think he looked fantastic in that fight i thought he still won obviously but i think that quick turnaround is a is an issue for people as well but however i i do not know um yeah anyway right 
thanks everyone for listening uh we'll have lots of stuff this week myself and jake are going to be over on patreon after the uh thursday and friday cards to do podcasts uh reviewing cage wars myself and graham will obviously be back next sunday as well um so sign up patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast for all of that um manscaped use the promo code severe mma follow me at sean gmba follow graham also if you just don't want to sub- sign up to patreon you just want to do it for free click the click the follow button click the subscribe button leave us a review leave us five stars on itunes or wherever you are if you're on soundcloud especially yeah, actually, uh, about the five stars on and the reviews on itunes mm-hmm. obviously uh it helps boost it up the charts and the the crazy algorithm of, of itunes store and all that stuff and it helps mm-hmm. you know get it out to maybe new listeners who haven't haven't been exposed to the, the podcast before so if you haven't already just pop over and leave a review and a rating would be great yeah. much appreciated 100 and if you can tweet it out tell the people tag me sean chimbia we'll, we'll give it a retweet we'll we love some fucking self-adulation here so like <laughs> if you want to do that i enjoyed this podcast you'll get a retweet like we're shameless shameless stuff here from myself and graham but uh yeah thanks everybody for listening and all that's left to do is give the inspirational quote of the week the main thing to keep the main thing is the main thing we'll see you next tuesday or probably sunday